Hey, you go ahead and grab a seat. Oh, man, that was excellent. Thank you, team. Hey, my name is Adam once again. I'm one of the pastors here. I only say that because you, like, tripled in size between now and announcements. And so uh, we are starting a brand new series this morning uh, called Dirty Laundry. And the reason we're we're talking about dirty laundry, it's because something that uh, every single one of us has some experience with, more some than others. But here's Here's kind of the reality, because on Sunday morning, we're such a, a mixed group of people, which is awesome. No matter uh, whether you've been here one time or you've been here since the very beginning, we're, we're so thankful for you and consider you a friend. But here's, here's what's true, probably about every single one of us, is if you go to someone's home or if you have someone come to your home, usually when you have new visitors in your home, you do this thing, and let's just be honest, sometimes it's kind of weird, where you give people a tour of your house, right? Like, this is the living room, this is the dining room, oh, this is the bedroom, and, and really what you're getting to is like, here's the bathroom, so you don't have to ask later, so it's not embarrassing. But there's this one room that for most of us, we never show people who are new to our home, and it's the laundry room right? Like you've never taken somebody who's new to your house and be like, oh, and this is where we do the dirty laundry. And the reason for that is this, is because usually that's where you put all the dirty laundry so that the house appears to be organized and clean before everybody gets there, right? And so people are coming over and go, we got to get all the dirty laundry out of here and into there. And so what we want to do is expose some dirty laundry so that we can clean it up, put it out to dry, and make it clean again. And so what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks are some core values, some biblical principles we see in Scripture, uh, some of the ways that in our own lives we've muddied them up or allowed them to be stained. And really what we want to do is each Sunday morning as we come together and worship and open up our Bibles, we want to kind of dip those things in the OxyClean, get a little Clorox color-safe bleach in there, remove the stains so we can live as though... God has always intended us for us to live. And so this week, we're kicking off this brand new series, and I personally asked Laura Thompson, our children's ministry director, if she would lead us, because this this is something that she is passionate about. This is something that she puts all kinds of time and prayer and and meditation in. In fact, a few years ago, we, we were in a phase where we had to begin looking for a children's ministry director, and I had two kids at the time, and I thought to myself, if there's one person that I want leading my children in a church... It's Laura Thompson, and so we did everything we could to get her and her family to move from South Dakota to here, and it worked. It was, it was fantastic. Glory be to God for that. And so uh, we don't do this all the time, but would you give Laura a round of applause as she comes up this morning to lead us? Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? Good. Everybody awake? Got some breakfast? Awesome. Well, I'm just excited to be up here this morning um, and just to share my heart, what God's been put on my heart for actually the last year, just been praying about it in the Word, just talking with different people, and so I'm just really excited to share with you this morning um, about dirty laundry. Who loves laundry? Raise your hand. Awesome. Nobody raised their hand. (laughs) I wouldn't raise mine either. Um, So I wanted to give an example of this is a laundry basket. It's packed with stuff. But I wanted to show, be for real, um, a little bit about me, is that my laundry basket doesn't look like this at home. My laundry basket looks like this. You guys, laundry pile look like this at all? Yeah? Okay. Um, because when I, when I look at this pile at home, and it's usually on my side of the bed, is that it tells me that I just have not had a whole lot of time. 
because I've been busy. And so it piles up, it piles up, and I just don't have time. And so today we're going to talk about how do we use our time? What, what do we make best of our time? Because I know as a parent, there's so many things demanding our time. Our schedules get so jam-packed, full of stuff, that we tend to skip what's really important, and that's teaching our kids God's truth and being with our family. So when I look at this, it really overwhelms me and thinking, what do I got to do different? How do, I, how do I change things at home? Because ultimately, as a parent, you want to you be able to disciple your kids at home, and you want to be able to have that time. And so um, I want to share with you that Every week, almost every week, as I talk with parents and just different conversations, I either hear that they're disconnected from one another because dad's here, mom's here, kids are here, or other conversations that they're struggling in their walk, um, and, and they're striving to grow kids who are healthy and strong, but then they have no idea, idea where they're off track, no clue because they're just striving for that. Um, I think sometimes as parents we think that if I just protect my kids from bad decisions, bad influences, and bad relationships, they're going to turn out okay. I don't know if you heard that key word in there, but if I, right? If I can do this. And I think we're not meant to do that alone. From personal experience in my life with my kids, it truly takes other believers to come alongside my kids to help me raise them to follow Jesus. And so I know my husband and I need more help with that, and sometimes we don't ask for it, but I know we need it. And I bet you there's some of you guys out here that probably need it too. So today what I want to do is we're come together as a church family. How do we do this thing alone? How do we raise up our kids to glorify God in everything they do and not have a busy schedule? How do we do that? And so um, I have this, like, my favorite color is orange. Sorry, I have to kind of move this thing. Um, my favorite color is orange. You guys ever do this with your laundry? Just kind of push it and then let's see. Okay. So my favorite color is orange. And the picture that I have with the church and the home is that the home is red. That represents the heart. And the church is yellow. That represents Christ. And so when you get red and yellow together, what color does that make? Orange. That's right. So Two influences combined together make a bigger impact than just one on, each other, on their own, right? We can make a bigger impact for Christ in reaching our kids if we do this together instead of trying to do it by ourselves. And so um, I'm going to take you guys back to Deuteronomy 6 because God has really shown me some really cool things that I've never really thought about. You know, his word is alive and he's constantly teaching us And so I wanted to share with you guys what he's shared with me. So before we go to Deuteronomy 6, I'd like you guys to join with me in prayer. Father, we just come to you this morning, and we just thank you that you're a huge, amazing God who loves us so much, and that you never leave us. You're always there. You help us through good times and through bad. And so, Lord, I just pray for everyone in this room that um, hearts, minds are open to receive your truth. And even if it's just one thing they take home, that's a huge praise to you. 
So we give you this, everything this morning in your name. Amen. Okay, if you open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy 6, if you do not have a Bible, there's Bibles in front of you. They're blue. Um, Deuteronomy 6 in those blue Bibles are on page 151. So I'd love for you to join me this morning. Um, we're going to read Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. So I'll just give you a couple minutes to look that up. Okay, starting at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I don't know, some of us probably heard this a million times, this verse, but again, God, his word is alive, and he's just taught me so much. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start at verse 4, when it says, Hear, O Israel, and I made a dirty shirt for that. Hear, O Israel. There's my shirt. Can you guys read it? Okay. Um, Moses is speaking to all of Israel about the importance of families passing on their faith to the next generation. He wasn't, I believe he just wasn't talking to parents or religious leaders, but he was talking into the entire nation. And so when I, when I think of my kids and I hear Hero Israel, I think about relationships outside the home. I think about my daughter and my son, about how, what's the relationships outside the home? Like who's going to impact them besides me and my husband? And so when I think of that, I think about widening the circle, going beyond my house, because there's other people that can impact my kids. Because believe it or not, your kids, grandkids, kids you mentor, they're going to go to someone else besides you to ask for advice. So that's hard as a parent because you want to give them all the advice. But in reality, they're going to go to somebody else. And so what I try to do is be picky about who they hang out with, be picky about whose house they go to, because I want to make sure that wherever they're going, that those people are going to say the same thing Sean and I say. So you need to find some other people, build relationships with, that are going to say the same thing you say, that believe the same thing you believe, and kind of like the same thing you're going to say, give, you, give them the advice that you're probably going to give them, that you would give them, but just from someone else. That's really hard because I know we want complete control of our kids, but as the stage my kids are in, I have a 13-year-old and an 8-year-old, I'm starting to learn that they're, they're going to go talk to other people. And so I need to be prepared, but most of all, I need to be building relationships outside my home, relationships that I know that my kids will go to to be able to talk with. So for instance, everyone has a cell phone, maybe? And on your cell phone, you have some like favorites. I have like four favorites. So when you think about it, whether your kid's in nursery, 
junior high, senior high, there's like five favorite people maybe you know. Five favorite people that you can build relationships with, that you can introduce your kids to. Start hanging around. So then you can, you can see how they are and you can talk with them and you guys are on the same page. It's a scary thing, but I believe when what Moses is saying is, Hear, O Israel, it, doesn't, it takes more than just the family unit. unit. It takes the church family. It takes peop- other people in our kids' lives. So, when I talk about why in the circle are relationships outside the home, here at church, on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, children's church and youth ministry, we purposely build, make small groups. In our small groups, we have other adults that, are, that say the same thing that their parents say. And so we intentionally make sure that when kids come down there, that they're seeing other leaders, other adults in their lives that's going to say the same thing their parents say, and that they can build that relationship. They're going to see other leaders that are passionate about the truth and be able to reach them with the truth, that they're excited So that's why we encourage you to bring your kids each week because it's about that connecting time. It's about your kids building relationships with others that believe the same thing you believe. Um, The second part of verse 4, it says, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. In one phrase, Moses establishes a frame reference for everything, and that is God. There's only one God. Our God is that one God. And he deserves our best devotion. He des- deserves everything. I think it's my hair. Sorry. You guys keep hearing that? Okay. So God needs to be the center of the story as you connect with the generation, the next generation, every family, and every individual. God needs to be the center of that. In our marriages, God needs to be the center of that. So I believe... Um, When you think about your kids and you want to stay focused on the most important thing, which is God, and we think about your kids and you think maybe 20 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, what do you want them to be? What do you want them to be doing? Because parents are going to leave their kids something. Maybe most parents won't leave their kids a huge inheritance. Maybe they'll leave them a car. Maybe they'll leave them a house, which I think is a big inheritance. What if they leave them a special vase? But every parent is going to leave a personal legacy with their kids. What I do for my kids or what I give my kids won't be as important as what I leave in them. So what I do for them and what I give them will not be as important as what I leave in them. As a parent, I'm learning how important it is to stay focused, to stay focused on God, on who I want my kids to become. And then it helps me me to understand more clearly between what matters and what matters the most. I think sometimes we just get so pulled by the world and all these worldly things, and those things don't last. But Jesus does. So we need to focus on that. Oh, I forgot the other t-shirt, didn't I? Bring it out in a minute. Um, As much as I want my relationship with my kids to be everything it should be, it's, 
it's much more important that I try to be the best picture of Jesus that they can see. And that my kids are pursuing their own relationship with Jesus, not mine, theirs. So does everybody have family calendars? Or do you have a calendar? Yeah? When you look at your calendar, what do you see? It's pretty packed, isn't it? Some months maybe, not so much. Other months, yep. Our calendars get filled with so many things, with meetings, sports, activities, band, dance, coffee dates, I don't know. You name it, it's on there. But what's most important is our kids' spiritual development, how we're discipling our kids. When we look at our calendars, sometimes that portion is the smallest because we're so tied up on everything else. So again, 10, 20, 30, 100 years from now, what's most important? Imagine the end line with your kids. What's the most important? Is it because they were the best of the best or was it the relationship with Jesus? Me personally, I think it's relationship with Jesus. But sometimes we get so caught up in the, in the other stuff. And so stay focused, parents. Stay focused that God is central in everything. And that was my shirt. Stay focused. And so at church, talking about staying focused, kids need a really big God they can trust no matter what happens in their life. That's why on Sunday mornings we throw this huge, huge party. Have you guys heard our music downstairs before? Yeah? We have this huge party because we love Jesus and we're excited to share the word with your kids. And so we have this really, really big party because we want to celebrate who God is and what he's done. And so we want to partner with parents and we want to show them and help them, their kids, grow up and believe that nothing is too big for God to handle. Okay, verse 5, Deuteronomy 6, 5. It says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. This was like a new one for me, because I kind of had it like in my mind one way. And God really showed me some really cool other things. Um, Moses is fighting for something more than a lifestyle or a practice. I believe he's fighting for the hearts of who follow him, our hearts. I think that's what matters. Sometimes we fight with our kids. It's easy to forget that you can win the argument and force the right behavior, but lose the heart in the process. It's hard. We want our kids to see us trustworthy. They are acting in a way that needs correction. Don't discipline, discipline them by fighting with them, meaning I'm going to win this argument. Instead, fight for their hearts and attitudes. You can always discipline in anger, but that's not fighting for their hearts. And guess what? I've totally noticed this firsthand. When I do that, my kids automatically stop listening. This wall goes up. They've phased out. And so I lose their attention. And when I'm yelling, because I do that sometimes, yelling out of anger... <laughs> I start to lose our trust, and I don't want that. Because if we all think about it, we all fight, right? There are all some fights in the home, or maybe, wait, family discussions, or those type of things, right? We all have those. But when you think about it now with your kids, maybe you can think about you can fight 
Instead of fighting with each other, you can fight for each other. So when you fight with each other, first one, there's always going to be a winner and a loser, if that's your goal. Second, the people who fight care more about themselves than anyone else, that I won this fight. Third, then you both walk away really upset, right? You both walk away upset, like, oh, and that didn't do anything. Sorry, I forgot my shirt. (laughs) So you both walk away really upset, and it didn't do anything. So the contrast with that is fighting for someone When you fight for your kids, you're fighting for them because you want to see them better off. You're not looking at to win the fight, but you want to see them better off. The fight is happening because you want to see them win, not because you want to win. You care more about their interests than your own. And guess what? At the end, you both walk away feeling good. Maybe a little bit. You have to cool off probably a little bit. But when you fight for your kids, you're showing them that you're looking out for their best interest, that you love them, and you walk through that stuff with them. I don't know, but sometimes maybe if you guys, I've gotten kind of upset where I just kind of have to walk away, and then I come back and talk. Because again, if you just fight in anger, they're just going to shut you off, and they're not going to listen or pay attention or even want to work with you. They've completely shut you down. Fighting for your family means that you want their best interest not yours. It means that when there's conflict, the conflict is about moving through an issue so the person you're fighting with is better off, not that so you are right. And that's a hard one for a parent. It's really hard. I'm still working on it. It's really hard. So at church, every kid needs help making wise choices. That's why we make sure the Bible is never boring and kids walk away with at least one truth to remember each week. They need to learn to see the world through God's point of view. They need to understand how to handle hard issues and make wise choices. We want to teach every kid how to navigate through the Bible and live their life for Jesus. That's what we do on Sunday mornings here. That's why it's important to bring your kids because we want to partner with you. We care about them. We want to come alongside you. And on Wednesday nights, same thing. Junior and senior high, same thing. We love your kids. We just want to help you. Verse 7 through 9. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. When I read that, um, I think about rhythm and time in my own life. What does my family rhythm look like? What's the time? How do I spend my time? And so I have a dirty shirt. Um, Moses was given instruction on how to create a spiritual rhythm in the Israelite family that fit with the natural rhythm of life. I don't know about you guys, but if you've ever read parenting books, they have like 25, 30 things on what to do. And for me, when I read that, I get discouraged, and then I don't want to do any of it. I think if I have to go through like 25 steps, 
that's like, I can't do it. Then I just d- get discouraged, and I'm like, just forget it then. And I move on to the next book, and the next book has the same thing. So every family has a parent pattern. Parents establish the rhythm in their home, and rhythm is simply how you arrange your time. Four ways on a family how they can arrange their time. Eating meals together. That's a big thing. At our house, it's dinner for the most part because my husband works away a lot, and so then I do it on my own. But for the most part, dinner seems at our house as my kids get older that that's a big time. That's a big time where they open up and they like to talk, and um, that's like a really good teaching time too. When my kids were younger, we could probably maybe get through 10 minutes, if that because they were preschoolers and they're running around and, you know, even with food on the table, I don't know if you guys have ever had that where food's on the table, but your kid's over here talking, eating, and yeah, maybe that's just my house, but um, you only have like 10 minutes, and so you think, oh, are we ever going to get through this? But as you grow and as you disciple your kids, you can. Now we're up to like 20 minutes. So eating dinner together, eating meals together. Um, another one, walking or traveling together, meaning driving in the car. That's a big one. Um, I think when you're driving in the car and everyone's talking, I think for me personally, my kids talk a lot more because they don't have to look at me. They're just sitting in the back seat or they're looking out the window. And so they can just start talking away and letting me know all sorts of stuff. And it opens up tons of conversations, tons of them. So it's an informal dialogue. I mean, it's not like we're going to sit here, we're going to do this. We just all jump in the car and everybody starts talking. Tucking kids into bed. That's a big one for some people. Kids can open up when you go tuck them into bed. Even my 13-year-old. Sorry, he's back there. Sometimes you tuck them in, they share stuff that's on their heart. Um, And getting up in the morning, encouraging words to your kids. Encourage them before they leave the house. I know as adults, we try to read our Bible in the mornings before we leave. That encourages me, so... Why don't I pass that on and give even our kids a verse to encourage them before they leave for the day? You're kind of like their coach in the morning. You want to encourage them before they leave. Now, here's the thing. That's four different ways you could do that. Not every way is going to work for your family. Like at our house, dinner time didn't always work. We failed, and we tried again, and we tried something else. You just got to find that rhythm in your family, what works best for you. Because creating a rhythm for your family is actually talking about, you're talking about discipling your kids, helping them to follow Jesus more closely each day. So when you show them Jesus every day, that's helping us, discipling them. So one of the ways we disciple our kids is by how we spend our time. Our schedule reveals what's important. It reveals what, what's important to us. So what's your rhythm? A home where Jesus is never talked about? Maybe it's a home that Sunday, that's when you only talk about Jesus. Or maybe it's a home when you talk about Jesus every day. What's your rhythm with your family? So again, our family, we've discovered that, again, choosing a time that works for you guys, for us, um, in devotional time, as my kids get older, when my kids were younger, they drew pictures and stuff while we did devotions, cut out pictures of magazines or something. But now as, we get, as they've gotten older, 
we all take a part in that time. And for us, devotions is not, okay, we're going to open up the Bible and we're going to read the whole book of Genesis tonight. We don't do that. <laughs> what we do is we take small little chunks because I believe if the small chunks you give and they, you talk about it and they wrestle through it and then they can go live it out. That's what's important. Not just to be a hearer, but a doer. One big one is we pick our kids' schedule, meaning what they do doesn't dictate how we live. So for us, and maybe we're just a weird family, I don't know, but our kids only do like one sport each. And because what's important to us is the family time, is raising our kids to be Christ followers. So at church here, every kid needs someone else who believes what they believe. So that's why on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, What's important is we have kids with, their, with other kids their same age in small groups so they can start having building into friendships, have building those relationships where they have other kids that probably believe the same thing that they believe. Um, we've discovered that in those small groups, that's where you know, a lot of even transformation happens. That's where kids are starting, light bulbs are going on, and oh, oh, yeah. Small groups are really important. So that's part of our rhythm here at church is that we intentionally make small groups to where kids can connect with other kids and other believers. So my last shirt goes with verse 6. So I went back up to verse 6. is personal growth. Deuteronomy 6.6 6 says, And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. That last, shall be on your heart. Starts with you as a parent. Because um, when it's on your heart, your kids see that passion, that desire for Jesus. I think sometimes we think as parents that I have to have all my ducks in a row before I can even make an impact on my kids. But I don't think that's true. Everything doesn't have to happen Everything doesn't have to be right in you or about you before you have a positive influence with your kids. Because guess what? You can even start today. Maybe there's one change you can make. I think sometimes, too, and I used to, and as I grow in my walk, because um, one of our core values is growing people change, you know, it was like, okay, my kids got to memorize their verses, they got to go to church. We've got to do all this, you know, we're going to sing, and we're going to do all this stuff. And then, I don't even do it myself. So what's that showing them? Because if you want your kids to learn scripture, you got to learn scripture. If you want your kids to be respectful, then you got to be respectful. If you want your kids to give, then you have to give. If you want your kids to be honest, then you need to be honest. Because whether we like it or not, our kids see right through us. And there's going to come a time where you can't fake them anymore. They're going to see it. Our kids have front row seat to our lives. And, and kids do see it. I've heard it from our kids in this church. Well, so my parent says this, but this happens. My parent, so our kids have the front row seat. 
So what are you doing to make, sh- make sure that your personal walk with Jesus is where it needs to be? What are you doing personally? Because it starts with you. They see you. A couple of faith skills I can share with you. Get in the Word. Get in your Bible. Start reading. If you don't know where to start, ask somebody. I know in the beginning I didn't know where to start because when I opened up this book, it, I was, at first I was intimidated because I didn't even know where to begin. That's why there's a church family you can ask each other. Personalize scripture, memorize it, and apply it. At our house, we, we put scripture on our refrigerator. We tape it up there. Sometimes I'll tape one verse on my mirror as I'm getting ready for work. And then apply it. Pray with your kids. Pray all the time about all situations. Share your faith with your kids. Share how you struggle. Share the praises. Share all that stuff because they see you. You're, the, you're Jesus to them. Okay? You're showing them Christ. And worship them with everything you've got. So that's why I believe that kids really need nosy parents that make it their business to know where their kids are spiritually. They need to know. You need to know. I remember um, my son, he it was about a year ago possibly, but we were sitting on the couch and he was kind of struggling with some things and um, I said, well, you know, how can I help you? Because, I mean, that's what you do, right? How can I help you? What do you want me to do? How can I pray for you? And, you know, just talking to him, he's like, Mom, I got this. My relationship with Jesus is mine. Like, I got this. And as a parent, that's the huge thing I pray for for a long time, is that he has his own relationship with Christ. Not mine, but his. So that's why it's so important. Don't get overwhelmed by the, all this stuff. Take the time for what's most important for your kids and even for your marriage. God is in the center. Sure. Take the time. I think I can say it how I said it. (laughs) Take the time for what's important. That God is in the center of everything. Your marriage, your kids. And so um, the really cool, exciting thing I wanted to share with you guys is that um, this fall... Because we've been talking about how do we help, you know, how do we help families? How do we help, not necessarily just parents, but grandparents, you know, people that are mentoring other kids. How, are we, how can we help them to where when they go home, they're not hearing five different Bible stories? So where they go home, they can really connect. And so starting in September, really excited because um, kindergarten through fifth grade or higher, because we get junior high down there sometimes on Sunday mornings, we're going to be learning what big church up here is learning. And so when you go home, that's just another way how you'll be able to talk with your kids about what you heard up here and about what they heard down there. And so um, we'll, have, we'll have some like family devotionals. There's only four during the week that will talk more, enforce more what we talked about on Sunday morning. And if you're like me, I don't go anywhere out of, I don't go in order. So I'd probably pick day four and then day one. So it does, it's okay. Don't get discouraged if you don't go in order. I remember someone telling me, if I don't go in order, then I just can't do it. That's okay. Um, and so we're really, really excited about that because we want to help you guys. 
And me including, I need help too. I can't do this thing alone. So we all get the same 24 hours a day. Let's learn together how to spend time with our family different. Meaning, I need to stop saying I don't have the time and start saying I didn't make the time. When I was studying for this message, I, God really, he convicted my own heart and take a look at my own schedule. And I need to continue to make time for what's important and cut what's not. Because in the end, 100 years from now, what's going to matter with my children is that the relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we just um, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can, it, that's alive and that we can learn from it each day. Lord, I just pray that, um, I just pray, Lord, that it's hard to be a parent and we can't get all of this right. And so I just pray, Lord, that we can just take one little piece home today and start working on it. That, w- that would be glorifying to you. So we give you this, everything we've got in your name. Amen. every month as we try to take communion together. And uh, communion is a way that we can respond to the Lord. You know, if it's